Hello, and thanks for joining us. Two sharp chefs and a microphone here. I'm Lorraine Moss, chef and journalist. And I'm Louis Victor, chef and professional food photographer. We started this podcast in memory of one of the best food culture ambassadors of all time, Anthony Bourdain. In his memory, we wanted to do the right thing and build a better sense of community among cooks, chefs, restaurant workers, and food lovers here in Las Vegas and worldwide. Hey, Lou. Hey, Lo. So I'm here in Fall Creek, Wisconsin, super sunny and really hot. Uh, Fall Creek, Wisconsin. (laughs) It's the backdrop because I'm in my father-in-law's room. Uh, We came over here because he passed uh, a week ago. So it was sad coming in, but now we're feeling a little bit better and we're getting used to being here and hanging out with his mom for a little bit just to let her, uh, you know, have some company for a while. So family comes first. And that's why this beautiful baseball backdrop behind me, which is super cool. He's got stuff from like Hank Aaron, Babe Ruth, Ted Williams, like super old school. Lou Gehrig. Yeah. Amazing. Super crazy. Um, so we're going to talk about um, our pandemic provisions, which is what we've been doing lately. Our chef snacks. Um, and today we are pretty much eating our feelings, right, Louie? Oh, God. Yeah. We're eating our feelings. Um, I have the hostess. Powdered sugar donuts. Donuts. Yeah. Donuts. Fun fact about donuts, Louie. They started in the 1930s. Whoa. And Hostess says today in 2020 that they produce 2 billion with a B a year. (laughs) They also say that that's enough to wrap the earth three times in powdered donuts. Just with their brand of powdered donuts, three with times. With these tiny little donuts. So that's a lot of damn powdered sugar all over. Remember eating these when you were little? Ugh. No, actually, I didn't grow up here, so. That's, well, that's right, that, right, right. Yeah, that to me is like a gas station delicacy. So from yes. donuts, we go to donuts. So <laughs> You're bringing the nuts. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Have the lesbian do the nuts, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Always. So cliche. Um, So tell us the difference between nuts and nets. (laughs) Nuts and nets? I don't know, dude. (laughs) Maybe. Well, we noticed that mine were cakey and yours were bratty, right? Yeah. So Krispy Kreme is actually a yeast recipe. It's fried. Um, Fun fact about Krispy Kreme was uh, they were not readily available to the general public. They were only really sold to convenience stores and grocery stores when the first business model was launched. Okay. So the uh, company owner, Verdon Rudolph, you know, they would they would do donuts only at a certain time. Um, you, They weren't served all day like it is available now. They're served oh. all day. You can get like a hot Krispy Kreme donut at 24 wow. hours at mm-hmm. some of their locations. We'd like to know what donuts you like in your town, yeah. in your area. So just yeah. send us a little line. Yeah, and also, you know, if you have ideas, like there are things that you want us to put up on here, we'll do it. We'll choose some of them. You know, if you have your favorite pandemic snack, we've also been asking each chef as they come on or each guest, like what their pandemic snacks have been. We'd love to hear what they are. Take a pic, do some video, and we'll post it up on our site for you. So 
cool. Right now, we are going to talk about feelings as we eat our feelings. feelings. We're going to talk about feelings with, um, of course, our favorite psychotherapist, Donna Wilburn. Donna, first, how are you coping in all of this? Mm-hmm. I am surviving. I am not one who likes to feel trapped or like I can't do what I want to do. I do like my freedom. So, you know, it's like a collective trauma that we're going through as like a people. We're actually worldwide, you know, nothing, nothing like this has happened before. Yeah. They kind of call it shared trauma. Although there's a lot of people that are in denial about it. Like, no, I'm fine. No, I'm not stressed. No, I'm but you subconsciously cannot experience this without some stress. Right. So you're, you're saying, no, I'm not there. That's not a good sign. So right. I'm just curious, like, what are the signs of like this whole collective trauma? So you go for it, the signs of any trauma. Okay. So you're going to get your, your frontal cortex of your brain is going to not be functioning as well. So you're going to have your emotions are not going to be as regulated maybe as they usually are. You might be getting like irritated or annoyed easier. Your concentration memory focus is going to start going. You're um, either going to be eating or sleeping more or less. It's going to be affected. Anything that like when you're stressed out starts to go is probably starting to go, but more gradually. And so they might not notice if you think back a month, what you were capable of doing in a day, maybe what you think like what you're capable of doing in a day right now, that's because you're stressed. What's been your sense of the difference between like, I guess maybe not the difference, but the severity of what the restaurant industry is going through, maybe even more so than other careers, because our entire industry is not only changing, but in many ways falling. Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting. It's not just financial stress or worrying about making the bills, but a lot of the folks in the restaurant industry, their whole identity is invested in it. So mm-hmm. when that's crashing, it's not just, oh, you know, I need money for bills. It's like, what am I going to do with my life? Right. What am I going to be? Who am I going to be? How do I, they like worked so long to get that, that position, that restaurant, that, 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 that's their gold. That's their heart. And now, and, and a lot of folks it's gone. And, Mm -hmm. and it's like having an Olympic gymnast get their leg cut off. You're like, what do I do with my life now? I just worked to this whole 20 years to get this and, and now it's gone. And that's, that's what I think is, is the hardest thing to handle is how do you help someone totally restructure their whole view of life mm-hmm. so that it's positive and they can look forward to it rather than feel extremely depressed. Uh-huh. Right. So I know that's a really complicated and long question, but how do you? Well, honestly, guys, like, and we've talked about this before, you guys are a creative crowd. You're good at what you do because you're creative. And what you need right now is to use that creativity to keep doing what you love in a different way, mm-hmm. different way. Like someone who maybe was in a restaurant can go into catering. I love all these little um, activities of cooking along with the chef as you're, you know, mm-hmm. you go pick up the kit and it's like pretty much already made. And then you kind of finish it up with the yeah. chef. Like I love that idea because it makes us feel like we're gourmet cooks or something doing that. That kind of came out of this, that, 
you know, continuing to do that. It's a great idea for a date night or something, but it's going to take some creativity. So brainstorming maybe with other folks, letting yourself, letting your creativity come up and go like, it's a good thing. Change is good if you make it good. There's been some really interesting growth happening. Like families are uh, finding healthier bonds with each other. Couples are getting along better. Um, I had one just texted me like, due to this quarantine, I can handle this situation way better now than I could before. Like there's so many good things. Creativity is like flying out of the roof right now. Mm -hmm. And, and kids are so bored almost with their phones. Like they're doing other stuff than just being on their phones because they have access 24 hours a day now. You don't need to focus on the negative. Look for the positive. Every situation has bad parts and good parts. But if we can focus on the good, you will be able to cope and survive this a lot better. I think a lot of the time, at least me personally, it's from family members where I'm trying to, you know, have a conversation about something that might be fun or entertaining or cool. And then somehow it just goes down that road every single time, you know, and it's like complaints on either side of the political realm or complaints about not being able to do the things that you want to do or, and I get it. It's like people need to vent, but it's like, I feel like my phone calls have been more people venting to me than anything else. It's called victimizing. And this (laughs) is where the only attention you get is when something's going bad. So that person gets trained to kind of feed off the attention of complaining or feeling bad. And so as you're talking, we have to be good role models and give people attention for good versus for bad. Mm -hmm. So when they are complaining or focusing on the negative, you can ease your way out of that conversation. But if they want to focus and talk about something positive, then you give your attention to that. And really, that's all really that you need to do because they kind of get trained automatically to go, if I want to talk to Lorraine, I talk about positive things. If I want to talk to this person, they'll listen to me talk about negative things and give me attention for that. So you want to give attention to people focusing on positive topics. What else can we do to support each other? You know, like we're giving each other self-care tips. What are some things that we can just kind of put out there in the universe to help each other? I, I really think we have to reach out. We do have to reach out and connect and talk to somebody, have a FaceTime with somebody, meet them outside at a park or something where you, we, there's a lot of people not brave enough to initiate that. So if you can reach out to folks that maybe you haven't heard from in a little bit or that you haven't checked in with, it's going to mean a lot more to them than you think. So we talked a little bit about trying to spread the positivity. And we just recently talked with Chef Justin Kingsley Hall, who is super awesome at doing that. I love his stuff. Yeah, right? His food and his attitude. Um, He said that when he went to sell, instead of selling his restaurant, he decided to sell slowing down. So I love that idea of using this time because we've slowed down quite a bit, many of us, mm-hmm. and have enjoyed it, especially chefs, <laughs> like not working 60 hours. And, and, and Gina Marinelli said, it's awesome to be able to come home before midnight and see our fiance. How do you keep this attitude? If you are starting to see the silver linings, things like that, how do you not fall back into what is easily to 
easy to fall back into. So how do you keep this attitude of slowing down? I love what they're saying, but is it something that really we can do? I think it's going to be really challenging because there's a reason that we were overwhelming ourselves. And it usually Mm -hmm. has to do with some kind of anxiety or fear or something. We need more of this or I need to work or they're going to fire me or whatever that is. So there was a meme that just went out today. It was a quote and it was, I'm just paraphrasing, but it was, how are we going to encourage people to stay home and relax when uh, working ourselves to the point of exhaustion is a status symbol. Hmm, That is true. Yeah. So maybe not, maybe not doing that to people where they're working so much and it's almost like you commend them for it. Maybe commend people for taking the time to relax and, and not making them feel bad for doing that or feel like they're like lazy bums for staying home on a day. Right. We as a society appreciate when people value themselves over their paycheck. I feel like this pause will actually allow um, the hospitality industry, especially to focus on like um, the actual changes that need to be made. Wages. I hope so. Now now people actually realize what it takes to be on the line because that's kind of like being on the front line to serve people like in masks and stuff like that. And all with all this like heightened protocol. Um, I'm sure that the wages will come into play and sick days, you know, I hope that employers will actually see that, Hey, when somebody's sick, don't have them work. Right. It's like a public health issue. We've had this mindset for so long. It feels like at this point that it's like, I can't imagine it almost any other way. It's like, I'm kind of afraid to touch people or hug people or how do you get out of that when it's safe to do so? How do you change your, your, your mind from thinking these are bad things. Right. And I was thinking about that and you're like, uh, there's a lot of people with that weird anxiety about mm-hmm. we've been programmed over the past couple months to stay home, stay safe, stay clean, stay, right. home, stay safe. And so like, we're all like, stay safe, stay safe. Don't touch people. You right. Wash, just- wash, wash. <laughs> and they go, okay, now it's okay. Go out. Bye. You can't flip that switch. So it's going to take yeah. a gradual feeling more comfortable and seeing that, you know, I think we're going to need the space. I think people are going to need to be kind of separated for a while that it's going to take some, they call it desensitization where Mm. slowly and slowly we get closer and closer until we're at our, whatever our comfort level is, but you can't program people to stay home and covered or they're going to die and then say, okay, you're done. Go ahead. Goodbye. No, we've been, we've been, programmed and we're going to have to reprogram. Oh, I get that. How long does it typically um, take a person to recover from that kind of trauma? Yeah, it kind of depends on the person. It depends on the person. Like if you already have some anxiety issues and I call it sticky brain, where once you learn something, you can't unlearn it, then it's going to be a little more challenging for you. But there are strategies that a counselor can help you with to help you um, get your anxiety down a bit faster, but for some people it's, it's going to be tougher. And they say, what do they say? Like 70% have some kind of anxiety issue. So I'd say about 70% of people are going to be, are not going to be transitioning quickly. Yeah. Cause I notice even when I'm watching TV or movies, especially since, you know, a lot of us are watching older TV shows because like, you know, we got nothing else to do. So, you know, you're binging some random show from, you know, the nineties or whatever, and everybody's touching each other. It's like, they're all shaking hands and they're high-fiving and 
they're swimming together and there's like thousands of people at a concert. And I'm just like, how did we do this? Like, <laughs> I'm, I, I'm even uh, questioning that I even ever did it, you know, which I think is, I don't know if I'm just going crazy, but my husband thinks the same thing. And so do other people around me that I've talked to. They just get that feeling like I watch TV and I watch the movies and I can't believe we used to do these things. Like it feels like so long ago, even though it wasn't way back then. Yeah. Way back then when I used to like, you know, hug Donna or like kiss people on the cheek even. (laughs) That was the norm back then. I mean, is this really the new norm? And is it, you know, acceptable? Because they're saying this could go on for like years or even at least a year or year and a half to get the vaccine, Donna. So, I mean, how does that work? Right. I think there's going to be, I was looking at some video documentary about Asia and they, they kind of learned this a long time ago. There's people wearing masks. there all over the place and right. they got it. And so I think we're going to, a lot of people are going to be wearing masks and not wanting to touch each other for a long time. So let's go ahead and try our new segment. We have a guest that we've had on several times, but you've never tried the new segment, Show and Tell. Anna, what do you have for us? I have, this is what I have. It's a, it's, I'm going to like put it up really close. If you, if you Holy crap. Is that what I think it is? So this, back in the day when we had recipe cards, this Whoa. was written in the seventies. It's in my grandma's handwriting and my grandma's past. And my grandma's Italian. I have an Italian side and a Turkish side. And so this is my grandparents are Italian, Italian American, live in New Jersey. The whole town is now populated by my family because no one moves. So they just like keep populating this little town. And so this is grandma's Easter bread. And I keep it, I keep it hung up on my fridge, even though it's not Easter. I just keep it hung up (laughs) all year long. And not only is it like super tasty, FYI, it's really good. It tastes like challah bread. Ah. It's really good. But it reminds me of how connected my family is, not just because we like to eat together, but I have family all around the world and all around the United States. And yes, we have quite the hub in New Jersey, but food and eating together and communing over the table, that's really what family feels like to me. So especially right now when I'm disconnected, it gives me that feeling of, but wait, I have family out there and we're together and we we love each other just as much as we always have. It's true. Love that. That's so beautiful. There's a certain so, charm. Yes. About like handwritten recipes. It is, right? right. That's like, it's you actually sense the history of it. Is it like her heart is in it? Her spirit yeah. is in it? Because it, she'd done it for so many years. She had nine children and hundreds of grandchildren. And so when she, when you're making this, you feel it. You feel your family and, and you feel connected to them. Yes. So please, especially people in a generation before us, please keep all that stuff. We need it. We love it. I mean, there's so many recipes that I'm still trying to look up and find of my grandparents' generation and even my parents' generation. So make sure that you keep those for your family because it's it's something that lives on forever. 60 seconds, rapid fire questions with Donna Wilburn, our favorite psychotherapist. Louis, go! Favorite pandemic snack? Salt and vinegar potato chips. What's Yummy. the first what's the first thing you'll do when this quarantine is fully lifted? Go to a bar. Childhood food craving. 
Uh, Pringles. Sorry, I'm a potato chips person. Dream place to travel and eat. Italy. Your best self-care practice. Gardening. Yes. Your go-to Corona-pocalypse beverage. <laughs> it's, uh, it's tequila mixed with those ice drinks that are zero calories put together. It's a club soda. I make my own cocktail. Favorite cooking jam. So music while you're working. Classic rock and roll. Nice. Best binge-worthy TV. Um, it's called One Step Beyond. It's kind of like the Twilight Zone, but it's uh, before the Twilight Zone, and it's so old, it's black and white, but I've been like binge-watching that. I can't even tell you. Nice. Last thing, and this is specially for you, your best de-stress move. My TikTok dances. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Donna, do you really have a TikTok account? <laughs> okay, awesome. Donna, we're going to go ahead and finish with you selling it. Go ahead. What do you want to sell it for, dear? Um, actually, I do want to sell on, on the, it's on Facebook and YouTube. It's called 1000 Marriage Questions. And I'm partnered with a comedian who has gathered marriage questions during his routines. And then he rapid fires these questions at me and I have to answer them. And so like the latest one is when, when can you stop giving BJs? You have to be married before you stop before you can. How about never? (laughs) Well, Donna, thank you so much. It's so good to have you. And guess what, Donna, it has been a year. So you were our first guest. Oh, and we're coming up right on a year. Oh, just about. And you will be our last guest of the first season. Oh, that's so exciting. Good job, guys. I love what you're doing. Love this so much. Thanks for listening to Two Sharp Chefs in a Microphone. We love subscribers almost as much as we love food. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review. And check out Two Sharp Chefs, that's with a number two, on Instagram and Facebook, as well as our WordPress blog. Email us with any questions and ideas at twosharpchefs at gmail.com. And Louie, we stream new episodes every Monday on iTunes, Spotify, Radio Public, and Stitcher. It's been a pleasure. We're 86th. Till next week.